going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins In-Depth Podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. Thanks so much for tuning in. Took the week off last week to kind of recharge the batteries after a long NFL season. Uh, enjoy this past weekend slate of games, as I'm sure a lot of you all did. Uh, but we're back to talk Dolphins football. It was pretty quiet on the Dolphins front as they continue their search for a new head coach. Uh, but we're going to talk a lot about that as well as some other things. Uh, but first, I want to introduce this week's guest, Joining me, I have Andre Fernandez, the Miami Herald's deputy sports editor. Uh, it's not a new name to a lot of people that have been listening to some of our other podcasts and reading our work, uh, but uh, returning or coming to the show for the first time since I've been here. Andre, how you doing? Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for inviting me. I'm doing good, man. I'm like, like, just like you. I mean, I, it's one of those things where the football season is almost over and I'm starting to look at it like, oh, do I really? It's been so good. I don't want it to end. It, 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 with the games last week, which were unbelievable, and and it it, it kind of sucks that we have to wait five months after after the Super Bowl, but we're gonna enjoy it right now. We're gonna enjoy these next few weeks and how much better hopefully this can get. No, that's so true. I mean, they always say that the divisional round of the NFL playoffs is probably the, the best weekend uh, we can get. And I mean, it, it lived up. It lived up to expectations. You know, we have four games, four games that all end on game winning scores, whether that's a game winning field that's goal yeah. or, a, or a game winning touchdown, as we saw in the Buffalo Bills, uh, Kansas City Chiefs game. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm telling you, the championship games uh, and championship weekend and the Super Bowl weekend, I mean, they have a lot. To, <laughs> they have a lot to live up to after. After, after this yeah. past weekend. Um, but that's really where I want to start. Um, like I said, just four incredible games. Um, we really saw the cream of the crop, you know, this past weekend. And I know a lot of Dolphins fans, as they were watching that game, it, in a sense, it kind of served as a template or, or a kind of a reminder of how how far they have to go to really, really uh, be spoken about in terms of the, the NFL's, you know, elite teams. And, just, and I guess, with, yeah. Yeah. No, no, sorry. I was just like, just when you think you're close, you get it that 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 cold cold dose of water to the face saying, "Hey, look, this is you're not anywhere near as close yeah. as you think you are." Exactly. I know. I know. I know. Greg Cody wrote a wrote a great column just just saying, you know, if you watch Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen on Sunday, I mean, it just shows how much better the Dolphins have to be, how better Tua has to be if they even want to like sniff sniff that type of postseason success and that's really where i want to start you know um what the dolphins can learn from the divisional round i know again a lot of dolphins fans are just kind of saying hey like we we have to be so much better if we if we want to get to that point um and and as i kind of watched those four games um saw all the discourse on on twitter and whatnot i kind of made this list to me of like the three things um that the dolphins can learn from the divisional round and they kind of lead into each other. So yeah. the, the first thing is that to be, to get to that point in the playoffs of the postseason, you need to have players who can win individual battles at, at the premium skill positions. And, and when I say that, I say offensive line, particularly offensive tackle, left tackle, right tackle, edge rusher, and then wide receiver cornerback. I know that we talk a lot about, you know, you know, trench play and offensive line, defensive line being sound in those kind of unglamorous positions. And that's true as well. But I mean, you, I mean, you saw it, whether it was, uh, I mean, starting with the, um, the Kansas, uh, the, excuse me, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans, 
um, the ability of, you know, Jamar Chase, you know, that was a very low scoring game. Um, both teams having trouble kind of putting points on the board, but you saw how um, uh, Joe Burrow could just throw a screen pass to Jamar Chase. And before you know, he was for 60 yards because he just has that athletic ability. You, you saw th- their ability to rush the passer at times against Ryan Tannehill. Um, if you go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams, you have, you saw an Aaron Donald, you saw Vaughn Miller, their ability to rush the passer and make Tom Brady, um, uncomfortable yeah, and then even sure. even going to to a game like the green bay packers and the san francisco 49ers you saw um nick bosa and and, and those pass rushers just disrupting what the green bay packers do and limiting mm-hmm. them to, to i believe just 10 13 points um and, and then even the final game that we saw which was really the best game i mean what can you say about premium skill position players the kansas city chiefs tyree kill travis kelsey uh gabriel davis who a lot of people did not know about him but he had a coming out party in front of the, the entire nation um, i mean you have to have those premium skill position players who can who can dominate i mean we of course, all these teams are well coached. They have really good rosters, but you know their star players at really important positions stepped up and made plays. And I guess on the offense side of the ball, that leads me into saying that you need to be an explosive offense. Um, we, we saw that so much with the Dolphins this past season, where you know they were able to sometimes do those 70, 75 yard drives and get to the end zone, but you can't really rely on doing that four or five times a game and putting up 30 points. I mean, it's just so hard to do that. Um, I looked up some numbers from sharp football stats, um, explosive play rates, and those are defined as run plays that gain at least 10 yards and pass plays that gain at least 15 yards. Um, If if you look at the top 15, like the the top half of that, of that list, um, the San Francisco 49ers are fifth. An explosive play rate. The Los Angeles Rams are eighth. The Kansas City Chiefs are ninth. The Bills are twelfth. Uh, the Bengals are fourteenth. The Bucks are are fifteenth. Sure. I was a little surprised to see that the Packers are twenty first because they have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and a really yeah. good offense. But they're twenty first, and the Titans are twenty fifth. Obviously, they had some issues on offense, but you just have to be explosive, you know. Yeah, I think the the, the stat there kind of shows you the, the impact that Debo Samuel had in San Francisco. Oh, must to, to drive that explosive, you know, the way, as soon as they started using him out of the backfield, that rate must have gone up tremendously. But to your point, I think if you if you start with up front, you, the offensive lines, the teams that can protect the quarterback, but not just that, the pass rush. I think the Rams example, even Green Bay. I mean, Zadarius Smith, I think, was out pretty much the whole year. Had Green Bay had him, you saw the impact he made in the playoff game. Even though they lost, it was a defensive struggle, kind of disrupted what the 49ers were trying to do. But yeah, I mean, Tyree Kill's been doing that, you know, over not just in these playoffs, but all the time. But the reason he can, and Jalen Waddle is kind of taking it to the Dolphins. Jalen Waddle's kind of, we're not saying he's he's Tyree Kill yet, but he's of that mold. The reason Tyree Kill can be so dangerous too is look at all the weapons around him, all the threats you have in that in that passing game to keep the defense's attention everywhere. And then that just lets him with his natural skill to be a game breaker and a guy who can take over a ball game do that and the dolphins now have that piece but who else they don't have really don't have much else around him to command that attention from a defense and that shows you the gap between them and Kansas City and even Buffalo because Gabriel Davis blowing up that's because the defense is worried about Stefan Diggs on one side they're worried about Cole Beasley in the slot they're worried about Dawson Knox who's become a pretty reliable you know tight end you know touchdown scorer down in the red zone it's having the depth, I think, even more than just having the skill guys that that's necessary, too. But it's also having that depth. And that's something that 
if you look at the Dolphins roster, I mean, they, they've added, they, they've already gained a couple pieces here and there, but they just don't have those layers of depth yet that these elite teams have and, and are showing why they're so explosive. And Green Bay said it about Devontae Adams. And even they could probably use a couple more threats as well in the passing game. I mean, now they have their own set of problems because Aaron Rodgers is probably going to leave, but <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, it really, more than ever now in the NFL, it seems like there's just like an arms race for high-end talent. I mean, we saw it with the Rams and getting Jalen Ramsey, getting Matthew Stafford, getting uh, Odell Beckham Jr., getting Vaughn Miller. It just seems like there's an arms race where, like, like you said, you have to accumulate that 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 talent and get that depth there. And, and again, with the Dolphins, like you said, they have Jalen Waddle, but outside of that, you really don't have much to account for. You know, if, I was already of the mindset and the belief that the Dolphins need to expand, like, 75 percent of their resources this offseason on, on offense but just watching that kansas city <laughs> buffalo game it's like all right i wouldn't be mad if every single transaction they make is to acquire an offensive lineman a wide receiver and a running back i would not be mad at that at all yeah. but that well, leads yeah go, go ahead no it's just the, and the quarterback part too i mean that's why it's such a big dilemma with the the, the whole two of question is is he going to pan out he's going is he going to be that guy that they hope for because you were talking about elite quarterbacks, almost all the teams left, except maybe the 49ers right now, have that guy. And this is a franchise. I mean, I can, you know, taking it back from watching them for years and covering them at times. I mean, since Marino, the, the, there's a whole generation that has come and does not know what it looks like for the Dolphins to have that level of a quarterback. And it goes all the way back to 2000. And until they established that, they're not going to be able to contend truly on a Super Bowl level with with the teams we saw this past weekend or teams of that caliber. Yeah, that's a perfect transition into my last point, which was like, in outside of some really extraordinary situations, kind of like we see with San Francisco and Jimmy Garoppolo, you need 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 elite quarterback play. I mean, we 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 saw that plain and simple in the majority of the games. I mean, if you start with Cincinnati and, and Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions. I mean, that was more or less the difference. I mean, he he essentially threw the game losing interception in that mm-hmm. in that game. Um, Joe Burrow, despite taking the nine sacks, was able to make the throws when it mattered to get them in field goal range. Um, you know, again, the San Francisco 49ers are kind of a unique situation because they really rely so much on that running game and their defense. But I'll even give Jimmy Garoppolo credit for all the jokes that I tend to make sometimes. I mean, he made some key throws late in that game to set up the game winning field goal. Um, Tampa Bay, Los Angeles. I mean, uh, Matthew Stafford, I mean, he played a he played a great game given given the circumstances. I mean, if they had happened to blow that lead and fumble that game away, it would not have been his fault because he played a tremendous game. Tom Brady in the second half of that game, when they needed to come back, he played exceptional. And you know, what more, I mean, what what more needs to be said about uh the final game that we saw between the Bills and the Chiefs, uh Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I mean, those, I mean, people are talking about another another Brady Manning type rivalry. I mean, that that's that's the that's the standard right now in the AFC and maybe in the NFL that's the standard, and, and that brings me. I mean, I, I just thought so much over the weekend, like watching those some of the plays that they made, the throws that they made, um, the execution. You know, I, I think there's fair questions, and you know, I've supported uh, Tua a lot on this podcast and saying that I think that the Dolphins should give him another year. Um, they need to build around more around him to kind of see what his ceiling can be and his peak can be. But there are fair questions to ask, like at Tua's very, very tip of the peak at, at his 
you know, in his in the peak of his prime, will he be able to go head to head with those quarterbacks? And I and I know I know it's not him against Patrick Mahomes, it's him against the opposing defense. But it more or less was those two quarterbacks going back and forth. I mean, the yeah. one quarterback would score a TD, the other one would come back and score a TD. I mean, they were more or less going head to head. And I think there are fair questions to ask. Like, they're they're not going to have a perfect roster. I mean, no roster is perfect. But when when this team is more you know complementary and, and they kind of fill the roster out and Tua gets into his prime, will he be able to emulate and kind of play to that standard? All right. And it's a fair question on both ends, because if you look at you look at Josh Allen, he wasn't Josh Allen immediately. It took yeah. him a little bit of time to get to that point. Even Patrick Mahomes, his rookie year was not Patrick Mahomes. So it, it is a fair question in terms of do they want to be sure? Do they want to give him that one more year, add more pieces and you know one or even or more? Let's see how it goes this, this coming season. But yeah, I mean, if if you're not I mean, like you said about teams and what they have around them, that got them to. I think let's say if you if you're watching that game that gets them to the game itself that gets them to the point where it's a duel in the fourth quarter but that that snippet of time of those those 2 minutes I mean that was something I mean it was it was to a point where it was almost like we're not seeing that we're obviously not going to see that very often if ever again to the that special of a of a magnitude but that's where the talent takes over and like you were saying about the two quarterbacks kind of dueling I think that's where it is and then also Credit to those receivers, to you know Gabriel Davis continuing to get open. I mean, the Tampa game, Mike Evans made a made a heck of a play to get loose. I mean, he's getting covered by Jalen Ramsey. They're one on one, you know, right before the game even was tied, just to set up the play that later came, that that came later. So again, it just goes back to those weapons that you have to have on the boundary there that are going to be able to win. Because if the Dolphins want to get to that point at some you know some day. They're going to have to have a receiver that could beat a Jalen Ramsey one-on-one that could make yeah. a play like that in a clutch moment. And, you know, up to right now, they're still in that building process trying to find it. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Again, um, we all know that two is not at that level yet, but we can fairly say that, you know, the roster, the entire roster isn't there yet. I mean, there's a lot of work that needs to be done um, on, on the offensive line, skill position. The defense can maybe um, use a few more pieces in some certain spots. Um, but again, this is going to be a really big offseason for the Dolphins. Um, by all reports and accounts, it seems like the Dolphins are moving forward with Tua as the starting quarterback for 2022. So it's going to be a really big uh, season for him as well. Um, but we're still months and months, months away from that. We still got a lot, a lot of, a lot of uh, key points to, to touch on this offseason. Um, but before we head to break, I want to I want to touch on another part of uh, this past weekend that um, was up for a lot of debate, which was the OT overtime rules. Um, obviously, uh, the Chiefs and Bills game went to overtime. Uh, the Chiefs won the toss, received, and they went down and scored a touchdown in their opening possession, uh, thus winning the game. I know a lot of people uh, were frustrated with that and saying that after a game like that, I mean, you have to let Josh Allen and the Bills touch the ball at least once. Um, I think for me, I agree that both teams should have the right to touch the ball at least once. I'm not, I'm not going to be like lighting the pitchforks. If the NFL never changes the rule, I just like, I just don't really care that much. I don't feel that strongly about it. There was an interesting stat um, from NFL research that there have been 11 playoff overtime games since the new rules were instituted. And um, teams who win the coin toss are 10 and one. 
in those in those overtime games with seven of those 10 teams scoring a touchdown on the opening drive obviously if you score a touchdown or you get a safety you know you win um if you score a field goal the other team gets the chance to to get the ball and if they kick a field goal it's next score wins if they score a touchdown um, they win um I, you know again i think that both teams should get the chance to to touch the ball but i'm not opposed to to keeping the rule the way it is. Um, I think there's fair questions about like how long the game will go. I mean, I know someone said, Hey, like if, if you go to like a second overtime possession, I mean, at what point does it kind of like negatively hurt the team that advances the next week? I mean, they got to prepare for another game next week. Um, and, and I also have less sympathy for the bills, like kind of given the fact or given the circumstances of how that game went to overtime. I mean, you have 13 seconds left. The ball is at the 25 yard line. <laughs> like you just, I know it's, I know it's Mahomes, it's Tyree Kill, it's it's Travis Kelsey, but again, 13 seconds left, the ball at the minus 25 yard line. I mean, is it too much to ask to get a stop at that yeah. point in the game? Um, what I do mean, you think about that? I mean, I, you know, I, when I, you know, growing up, I was always the first score wins, and there's so much randomness to that too. But I think if you look at law of averages too, I mean, by the time you get to that to overtime period. There's a lot of fatigue on both sides. So odds yeah. are, yes, you're going to, it's always going to favor the offense, potentially scoring in that situation. I mean, I like the fact of both teams. I'm, I'm with you on the fact that I think both teams should have a chance in it and to do it. I think they, I think they fixed it halfway by making the field goal, not the finisher last season. I wish they would have done it all the way. Yeah. But if, if there is, there is a legit concern of games going too long. So I, I think at, at the very least, why don't they have, both sides touch it, have a possession in the playoffs only, maybe not in the regular season, but have it only happen in the playoffs because the season's on the line. There's too much at stake. And we've seen it where it's a shame where like this weekend you saw, they go right down the field. Buffalo never even touches the ball. The same thing happened to the chiefs three years ago. Exactly. Brady marched right down the field with new England and Mahomes is sitting on the bench, never had a chance. So you can make the arguments happen on both sides there. And at least in the postseason, where you do have the, the, uh, the means to go more than one overtime if you need to. I think that's where, and you're, you're settling something so important at that point. I think I would like to see it in the postseason at the very least. I can, I get getting the games in during the regular season where you have, where we have potential ties and they're happening anyway, even with these new rules as, as yeah. we know. So. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting that after the game, Andy Reid, who was on the winning side, even, even kind of acknowledged, Hey, I mean, I'm glad we won, but um, you know, I, I think both teams should uh, get to touch the ball first. Obviously he had the experience, like you said, of kind of being on the wrong, on the wrong end of things a couple of years back. Um, Josh Allen, you know, said, Hey, I think we should touch the ball. But again, he said, if I was on the winning side, I probably wouldn't care as much. So I, I respect that honesty. I mean, how, how would you feel about two things? Um, it's a 10 minute overtime possession. How would you feel if, you know, it wasn't next score wins, but you just play out the entire, um, the entirety of that overtime position as if it's uh as if it's like an extra fifth quarter. Um, how, how would you feel about that? I mean, I wouldn't have an issue with it, but I think that's where I think the people that are more concerned about length of game would have, would have an issue with it because they're trying to like, and, and then, you know, obviously other, other factors come in other external factors like TV yeah. and, and, and going games going too long and all that sort of thing too. So that's yeah. where I could see obstacles coming in that would prevent that scenario of doing it. I mean, it would settle at the very least, uh, you know, having the chance for both teams to get it because no one's going to possess for all 10 or 50, or depending on how long, if you keep it at 10 minutes and then mm-hmm. you do it that way and not extend it the way it used to be, where it was a full 15 minute period, you know, yeah. way back when, I mean, that'd be too long, but if you, if you did keep it in that short time frame, maybe, but I, I, 
I don't, I don't have a problem with it, but I don't see it happening only because there's going to be a lot of that other stuff where they're going to be worried about length of games and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it just because, like, the, the rarity, of, again, the rarity and the importance and the magnitude of the situation. I mean, you don't, you don't, we don't see a whole bunch of overtime games, like, in general, you know, from on a week-to-week basis and in, in, especially in the, in the postseason. So, like you said, I mean, those are really important games. Why not kind of bend the rules from the regular season to the postseason? The, the, last, the last thing or last suggestion that, I wanted to bring up was something that was proposed uh, last offseason by the Ravens. Obviously, I, I was on the Ravens beat last year, so I kind of read up a little bit more on this. Was this kind of spot and shoes concept that uh, John Harbaugh proposed? And, and it's essentially instead of uh, you replace the coin toss with um, the option to spot the ball and have the other team choose whether to start on offense or defense or vice versa. You choose whether to start on offense or defense, and then the other team would spot the ball. Um, so I guess the, the perfect, I guess if for an example, let's say um, the Bills are the opposing, they're, I mean, they're the road team in the situation. They would say, I want to start the ball on the, I guess the minus 40 yard line. And the Bills say, okay, we want to start on offense. And kind of vice versa. Let's say the uh, the Bills say they want to start on offense, then the Chiefs could uh, spot them and have them start anywhere they wanted to. How would you feel about that? I think that the, the I guess the main thing in that concept suggestion is that you kind of take out the 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 coin toss having such a pivotal role on the outcome of the game, and you replace it with more strategy. Yeah, and it adds a lot of craziness too, because then you'd want to see like how far back do you want to move them. I guess. The parameters would be key because how how far can you push a team back yeah. on the field or is it or is it certain guidelines like only up to here like like how do you set the rules for that part I, of it? Too? I mean, from, crazy. yeah, from, I mean, from what I read, I mean, it could be anywhere. Like you could say you could choose like the positive one, like you could place the ball on the goal line, and the other team could say, oh, well, I want to, I want to. St- start on offense obviously you would do that because i mean who wouldn't yeah. and, and and under this under this rule suggestion it would the the current scoring rules would still take would still take place so it's it'd still be next uh i know it'd be a sudden death so it'd be next score wins actually um so i mean it, there is a lot more a lot more strategy to it I don't think that anybody would like place the ball at the goal line because you could essentially be giving the game away. I think you'd, you'd probably be working more in like the 30 to 30 range. Um, but I know some people that also brought up like, what about the, the college overtime rules? And, you know, just place the ball at the 20, 25 yard line and uh, have them go back and forth. And, you know, after the first two scores, you just have to keep on going for it on fourth down. I mean, um, I, again, I'd be surprised if the NFL does adjust the rules because i do think that like you said they do care about the games kind of dragging on too long um but but that 10 yeah. that that 10 out of I think 11 you also want to have the integrity you want to have a little bit of the integrity of the game too you don't want to make it too much of a circus or too 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 you know what i mean like not not too too crazy where it's you know almost like run one play and see what happens after yeah. 10 minutes and you know to prevent the tie that sort of thing so yeah, but yeah, that would be interesting. That would be an interesting concept going to the, the spot of all thing just to see how they would set that up. Yeah, yeah, I definitely wish they they kind of ran a trial period on that uh, during the regular season. But again, maybe maybe that'll come. They up, could do I'm preseason sure. trials. Well, well, well the thing is, they, 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 they don't they don't do they don't do overtime for for the preseason games anymore. So can't do that anymore. I don't think they, I don't think yeah. they do. I, th- I think they, I That's think they true. got rid of that. So it, it'd be tough. Obviously I'm sure that. Yeah. Once- well, I just meant like in a setting, if you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, if you of, tried, like if you were an experiment though. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure during the off season, once they kind of, I know every off season they come together to kind of discuss rule changes. I know some team will probably uh, propose some type of overtime change after this. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the Bills, uh, but yeah, that, that would be interesting to see during the off season. Uh, we're gonna take a short break, uh, but when we come back, we're gonna get into the Dolphins' search for a new head coach. Um, they finished their initial round of interviews last week. Um, I'm sure in the next week or so, things will start to heat up as. Um, the other eight vacancies, not seven, but eight vacancies after uh, Saints head coach Sean Payton said he was stepping away. I'm sure some of those vacancies will start to get filled as well, but we're going to talk about all that. So stay locked with us. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, everybody? Still here with Andre Fernandez. Uh, in the second half of the pod, we're definitely going to get into the Dolphins search for a new head coach. Uh, so this past week, the Dolphins interviewed seven candidates that we know of um, in the in the pursuit of a new head coach after firing Brian Flores. Um, you know, they kind of cast a wide net in, in their search for a new head coach, um, tapping into um, some coaches who have, you know, had experiences as head coaches in the NFL, some up-and-comers, some assistants, offense side of the ball, the defense side of the ball, even a lot of coaches who, who have ties to the Dolphins as former assistants. Um, but to this point, it's been kind of silent. You know, a lot of NFL teams with vacancies have been announcing the completion of interviews, you know, right after they're done. The Dolphins have kind of taken a different approach. Uh, they haven't spoken publicly since Stephen Ross's, uh, I guess, season-ending uh, news conference after the firing of Brian Flores. Um, so at this point, we don't really know who the top candidates are, but um, in, in the next week or so, you know, I'm assuming the Dolphins will start to, um, you know, request second interviews. And at that point, we can kind of start to whittle the list and, and see who the who the finalists, who the top candidates are. Um, I guess for me, again, not much has been reported. I know that our Barry Jackson said that um, Brian Dable, the Bills offense coordinator, has strong support in the organization. He said that uh, Cardinals defensive coordinator Vance Joseph is highly regarded by general manager Chris Greer. Um, so you could, you could assume that those two are probably a little um, closer up on the list than some of the other candidates. For me, I guess when I look at the top candidates, I definitely have to put uh, Dable and Joseph in that list. And I guess rounding out the top four for me would be Dan Quinn, uh, the uh, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator, and Mike McDaniel, the San Francisco uh, 49ers offensive coordinator, who is seemingly a fan favorite and the top candidate for Dolphins Twitter. If you're if you're on Twitter, checking that out. Um, you know, we don't know which direction the Dolphins will go in Andre, but I guess who are, who do you do you think should be the top candidate at this point? I mean, I think looking 
going back to seeing what the blueprint is and seeing what the deficiency of this team has been for a while now, I think offense has definitely been something that's been lacking, especially to that elite level like we were talking about in the first segment. And that's where I, I mean, I, my hunch is they're going to go in the direction of getting an offensive minded coach, especially. And that's why all the, the, the arrows seem to align towards Brian Dable to a, to a degree because of his history with Tua and, and that, that whole dilemma of how, how much, you know, how much is he going to flourish and how much is Tua going to become, is he going to become that quarterback that they're hoping he is? And can Brian Dable be that, that coach that can, that can help him get there right now? I know he's, if they are going to get him, they better, they better make moves because I know I, right now, as I'm looking at it, Adam Schefter's tweeting that the giants finished the second interview with Brian Dable. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> this is he, breaking. He's in, <laughs> he, he's in a hot, he's a hot commodity right now. So, I mean, we'll see, but I mean, I like Vance Joseph too. I just don't know if they're going to go more with a defensive minded coach again, you know, because that, I mean, we saw Brian Flores do a great job in that side of the ball with this team over the, over the three years that he was here, the way that they were able to put all those pieces together. I mean, I, I like him. I think he's one of the best of all the candidates. I mean, they could go the route with McDaniel, but maybe the familiarity with Tua is what, you know, kind of moves it toward Dable a little bit more, but I, I think honestly, the, to me, I think an offensive mind is what they they've got to be looking for at this point. And it's someone, you know, with even if they don't have head coaching experience, but the fact uh, that they've worked with younger quarterbacks and they've been able to develop some of them, I think is something that's you know really necessary and it's attractive for this team right now. Yeah, when I spoke to Barry um, two weeks ago, this was uh, a day after uh, the Dolphins fired Brian Flores. We really didn't have any any concrete requested interviews yet i said you know i think that steve ross steven ross said that he doesn't have a certain coach in mind or anything like that i think that given similar to what you said given how the florist tenure ended you definitely want somebody who has done the job before so you want to you want to not you don't want necessarily want a first-time head coach and you want somebody who can develop the offense specifically to it now from the seven reported candidates um you know, while some of them are offensive minded, you know, you have Dable, you have Mike McDaniel and Kellen Moore, the uh, the Cowboys offense coordinator. None of those three are, are you know, the, all of those are would be first time head coaches. So you don't really have the experience there in terms of having done the job before, but you do have the offensive background. Um, I also said that I don't necessarily want the Dolphins to hire a head coach solely because he's going to quote-unquote fix Tua but at the same time I couldn't necessarily blame them for doing that because you know Tua is the single most important person in this franchise I mean we just have to put it plain and simple if Tua plays well this next season if he um, uh, improves at a Burrow slash Herbert like rate and the Dolphins are in the playoffs all is well (laughs) like all all is well in Miami nobody's questioning a decision to fire floors and Everyone's keeping their jobs. If Tua does not play well, you could be in line for another shakeup in 2023. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just, that's just facts. Um, right. Again, it's it's interesting that the Dolphins haven't really announced any of their interviews. Um, I, I didn't know. I mean, you, you you broke it right on the pod right here that day. Yeah, and actually, and I stand corrected. It was Schefter retweeting the Giants themselves. It was the Giants yeah. themselves that were tweeting out that, that he, they just completed the second interview with Dable, so. Yeah, so I mean, Dave was obviously been linked to that giant job with uh, Joe Shane 
um, getting the GM job. Um, he spent several years in Buffalo, um, kind of with Dable, obviously overlapping. He's a former Dolphins exec. So, so it makes sense there. I mean, it's, it's kind of a pairing that you think on paper makes sense. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting to see, I, I see it as a kind of like a musical chair situation, you know, like some of these teams are going to start to get their guy and they're going to start to fill their vacancies. And after a while, you know, if you're a team that hasn't made a high, you're kind of looking around the, the, the candidate pool shrinking and you're saying, all right, we got to get somebody, you know, you can't, you can't yeah. go back and say, oops, we're going to, we're going to take Flores back. You know, that's, that's gone and that's done. Um, so, so I do wonder, you know, you have, you have Dable who could potentially go to the Giants job. Um, you have Dan Quinn, who I think would be a really, really strong candidate um, and, and would be a, a really solid hire. If he comes to Miami, you have him being linked to the Broncos job, the Bears job, um, Vance Joseph, I haven't really seen or heard of him being linked to any other jobs or interviewing for any other jobs. I know a large portion of the of the Dolphins fan base, it's not a hire that, you know, they would really, you know, jump out of their seats for. But I'm not sure if there are a lot of, you know, hires or a lot of candidates in this kind of cycle where you would kind of really like kind of perk your perk your ears up and say oh okay you know maybe, maybe a yeah. Jim Harbaugh if they go that route or whatever but um that doesn't seem to be seem to be in the cards right now um McDaniel is a really interesting option for me because I think that he'd be a, a breath of fresh air you know um yeah. he, checks the box from being an offensive guy you know i'm sure a lot of uh dolphins fans on twitter have seen the videos of him like explaining concepts and i mean and you know just just talking about the game i, th- I think that he'd not only be a breath of fresh air on the field um as, as kind of an innovative mind but but off of it and um you know, it, one thing about, you know, in, in my one season covering the team, you know, obviously I don't have the kind of the experience of other other beat writers, but in my one season in Miami, it, it just felt like Flores' personality never really lent itself to kind of endearing to the fan base. I, I never like felt like a really deep, deep connection with Flores and the fan base. And I don't know, just getting a young guy like McDaniel, he's 38, he seems to be energetic, um, fresh, you know, I, I think that'd be a real, like, again, a, a breath of fresh air for not only the on-field product, but kind of the fans who have kind of gone tired of maybe Flores' personality and the way he went about things. Well, Flores, I think ever since he, you know, got on the field with the defenders players a couple of years ago, I think that was the moment that kind of endeared him to a little bit. To yeah, the fans. that's after, true. But after that's that, true. but after, no, but you're right. After that though, personality wise, I think there's a lot of Belichick in him and that serious kind of, you know, wasn't so much, but, but, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm with you totally in the part that you can't just hire this next coach because he's the tool whisperer and he's going to make him better and all of that. You have to look long-term because if not, why are you hiring someone, you know, with the hopes of him, of, of him staying for a while? And you're right. That's where McDaniel, if they're sure, I wouldn't rush this just be, you know, if the 49ers are still playing and for all we know, they could make it to the Super Bowl. You have to know, you have to find the right guy. And if Mike McDaniel is that right guy, you know, that I think that's it's something it's a balance where you want him obviously to help Tua get better, but you want this to be the long, the, hopefully a longer term solution for your team and not keep having this shuffle every couple of years like they've been having and have some bring have some stability too. I mean, that's that's the other thing that's going to get you where you want to go as a franchise is to have that coaching stability and have a guy that can really flourish this team. Because I mean, if if Tua doesn't work out, I mean, that. It's not going to – if Tua doesn't work out, he's not going to be here two, three years from now. The decision's going to be made. Something's going to happen. But you need to have some stability in this and not this over and over, the same recycle. And, and I, I love what McDaniel's done in San Francisco. I think the, the innovations you were talking about, I mean, I mentioned Debo Samuel earlier. That's another – that's one example of how 
how to eat, how to use a player just in all facets and all, you know, just, just kind of, you know, maximize his talents and use them out of the backfield. I mean, what they've done, not just with him, but, you know, the different backs out of the backfield this year. I mean, they find Elijah Mitchell. Everybody's thinking Trey Sermon's their guy in the backfield. Elijah Mitchell's their guy, the sixth rounder. Turns out to be he may be their starter for a while now over there. And that's another thing, too. The running game has been a problem here for a while. They haven't had a stable, you know, feature back that's really been consistently the guy here. We saw so many of them. You detailed it the other day in the running back breakdown, how many different options they had to go to this year. So can they find that as well in their offense with a coach like McDaniel if he comes to Miami? Yeah, I, I kind of joked on Twitter that I, I couldn't wait for Mike McDaniel to turn Miles Gaskin into a 1,500-yard runner. I know some Dolphins fans <laughs> didn't take too kindly to that. They were like, don't, don't, don't get our hopes up. Don't get our hopes up. So yeah. just kind of just kind of joking there. But again, I think it really would be a, a breath of fresh air. When you kind of look at I won't say the fallback options, but kind of the, the names that haven't been linked as much, although they did interview. You have uh, Leslie Frazier, the Dolphin, or excuse me, the, the Bills defensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, um, as I said, the, the Cowboys offensive coordinator, and Thomas Brown, who's um, kind of a, a lesser known name, but he's the running backs coach and assistant head coach with uh, Sean McVay with the Rams. Um, you know, if they, if for some reason they kind of swing and miss, I, I, I mean, I do tend to think that out of that top four group that we mentioned, uh, Dable, Joseph, Quinn, McDaniel, I do think that one of those guys will be the next head coach of the Dolphins. But if for some reason they don't get those four guys, I mean, do any of those next three names kind of intrigue you? I think Frazier would be a, I guess a solid option is somebody who's been there and done it. I mean, he's had success going to the playoffs in one of those three seasons in Minnesota. Uh, any of those guys stick out to you? Yeah, I think Frazier, I agree with you on that part. But again, it's kind of that the, the whole thing like before. Do they go with the more defensive mind and not so much a guy that's that, that could be, you know, that that's more for the offense, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, Kellen Moore, he's had a lot of praise this year, but he hasn't done it for very long in the league. So he also has had Dak Prescott and a lot of weapons to work yeah. with in Dallas, too, which <laughs> would not be the case, at least not immediately here in, in Miami. So. I mean, to me, the wild card is still, do we take Stephen Ross's word that he won't go after Jim Harbaugh and won't sleep yeah. talk him into coming over here? And I mean, that's the big name. I'm not saying that necessarily he's the right guy or not, but that's the big name. That's the biggest name that would dwarf everybody else probably, or or a lot of them on, on this on this list. Oh, that, I, I, of, I think for sure. Right I think yeah, for sure so, it would dwarf I mean, everyone. <laughs> And you've got the experience. He's a guy who, you know, had led you know, the 49ers to the Super Bowl, you know, has done it, has done it at this level before. Again, that would be that to me is like the one option. If all of a sudden the well dries up here and all of a sudden some of these guys start going places and they find themselves in a spot where, you know, do they do they try to swing big and get that home run and, and, and land Harbaugh? I mean. They'd have to get them soon as well, because obviously that you're getting into your own college offseason at Michigan over there and, you know, signing days coming up as soon as that happens, you know, every, every, everything that goes on with a college coach. So we'll see. I mean, that, that to me, that's the one name there. I mean, the, another candidate I'm surprised they didn't even try or at least not doesn't sound like they have is Eric B. Enemy. And I, that, that just puzzles me all the way around that he doesn't get more attention for what he's done in Kansas city over the years. I feel like he's had, I think he's had some interviews right now in this cycle a little bit, but I, I feel like why doesn't he get as much as some of these other guys? Yeah. I mean, the enemy thing is interesting. I know the dolphins did interview him in, in their last cycle, I guess when they were looking for a coach in 2019 and then ended up hiring Brian Flores, but yeah, it's been, it's been relatively quiet for him, I guess, kind of when you compare it to previous seasons, obviously I think a lot of people naturally just, 
bring up the, the Andy Reid argument and say, hey, well, Andy Reid's the real architect behind it. He's not calling plays, which has been kind of disputed at points. Yeah. Um, but, but then you look at like guys like Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson, who, who I actually thought that they should reach out to and, and mm-hmm. look into. I, I'm surprised we haven't heard that. But you look at yeah. other former, you know, kind of offensive coordinators under Andy Reid who haven't called plays, but they've got the opportunity to uh, to run an NFL team. I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't see why you know i don't know why the dolphins didn't reach out to him i don't know why other teams haven't um but but going back to the harbaugh point i mean that is the one dark horse candidate that i think that if there was any higher in this cycle that would make dolphins fans and make me kind of kind of step up and kind of get out of my seat and say oh, okay it'd be the harbaugh hire and again I, i'm not sure if it would work we do know that he has he has past success in the nfl um so so you have that there um but again you know it's kind of I think Stephen Ross was very, uh, he was very cautious and measured. And I think he was tactical with it, with his comments and in, in that kind of mm-hmm. uh, season ending news conference, he said, I'm not going to be the one to take Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. Obviously uh, Ross is a big Michigan, Michigan alum and, and, and booster and donor and whatnot. So he said, I'm not going to be the one to take him from there, but right. it's different if Harbaugh wants to go there, you know, <laughs> um, you know, there've been various reports about his interest in getting back to the NFL and whatnot. I think that even I saw a report that, you know, there was a recruit that said, Hey, I, I would entertain it. I would answer. He said that uh, Harbaugh told him when they were kind of speaking in the visit that he said that he would entertain uh, NFL teams that, that want him back in the league. So again, it's, it's different. I haven't really heard too much on, um, I know there were talks about a contract extension with Harbaugh. I'm not sure where that is. I haven't heard too much, but again, if something kind of breaks down in contract talks and, Harbaugh says, all right, I'm out of here. I, I want to go back to the NFL. It's a little different. It's a little easier for, for Stephen Ross to sleep well at night. But obviously, we know the, his past of courting uh, courting Jim Harbaugh to, to the job initially uh, in the 11th hour a couple of years back when um, before he went to the 49ers. Um, you know, that I, I don't want to I don't want to put a percentage on it, but it is the I would say it's definitely a dark horse candidate. I mean, the team has been very, very quiet right now. Um, we haven't yeah. heard a lot of leaks. They're not announcing stuff. Um, again, if they're top two or three guys, they don't get them. And, you know, maybe something with Harbaugh situation, uh, he comes out and says he wants to come to the NFL. It's a possibility. And again, I don't know if it would work, but it'd definitely be interesting. Yeah. And like and Peterson's another one that you mentioned uh, that he right now he's coming back made it pretty I think he's made it pretty clear he wants to come back this year after that year off he's had you know, yeah, kind of, yeah kind of kind of funny coming back after all those years you know him, him being the the winning quarterback back in 93 when uh when Shula won his uh record-setting game it'd be, be kind of kind of funny for him to come back as the head coach but we'll see yeah it's another Dolphins high right there again you know you look at uh Dable Joseph Quinn all those guys have Dolphins ties uh, Brian Flores, or I'll say uh, Stephen Ross spoke a lot about kind of the lack of communication and collaboration with Brian Flores. Um, I, I think they definitely do want somebody that they're comfortable with, which is why I think guys like Dable and Joseph kind of have the upper hand. Um, but again, it's been quiet on their front. Um, I'm sure in the next couple of days or so is, you know, teams will start to fill their GM openings. Uh, they're, they're starting to interview a second time with some of their top candidates. Again, it feels like musical chairs to me, you know, whether the Dolphins get their guy or they kind of look around and see the seats start to start to fill up. Uh, they're going to have to get somebody eventually. And I think definitely in the next week or so, uh, we're going to see some, some moves, if not a announcement of a hire. 
Yeah, I'd be shocked if there wasn't, especially now with the with the field trimmed down to the final four. There's yeah, got to be a little bit going on. So you're right. I mean, the only two candidates left that we know of um, for for the Dolphins that are left coaching in the in the postseason are Thomas Brown and Mike McDaniel. Obviously, I think McDaniel was probably a little higher up on that list for the Dolphins than Brown. Yeah. Um, but again, they can talk to these guys. They can make offers. They can agree to to to, to hires. Um, so again, we're the process is definitely starting to speed up a little bit. And I know that a lot of Dolphins fans who are kind of antsy to see who they were going to replace Brian Forrest with, I, I think we'll definitely see, uh, we'll, we'll find out soon. Yep. I think so too. I mean, I, I, again, I, these, these, there's a lot of teams even in more rebuilding mode than the Dolphins. And, and I think you're going to see, especially like, you know, like, or, like right now, teams are already doing second interviews with some of these guys. So, but again, I, I, to me, it's, it's crucial for them. To 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 get to make the right choice, and if that means maybe waiting for for a McDaniel, hey, so be it. Yeah, right, we're definitely gonna definitely gonna find out soon, and I'm sure regardless of who they hire, I know Dolphins fans will have a lot of strong emotions as they uh, as they, they always, always do, do. <laughs> as they always do. Yeah, but but that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I want to thank Andre so much for joining me uh, this week. Um, stay with us because we again. It's going to be a really busy offseason from the head coach hiring to the offseason, whether it's the combine, free agency, the draft. Uh, we're going to have you covered from all angles at the Miami Herald. Next week, uh, I'll actually be in Mobile, Alabama for the senior, uh, senior Bowl. So I'm really excited to, to head to Alabama for the first time. Check that out. And again, we're going to have a, a good Dolphins in-depth uh, podcast from mobile to kind of break down some of the top players, some targets, potential targets for the Dolphins. Um, so again, enjoy this weekend slate of games and we'll be back next week to talk Dolphins football, but until then you guys take care. Bye.